0: Hey, folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing The Hunger Games, directed by Gary Ross. We have The Hunger Games Catching Fire, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, and newly released The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. (laughs) All four of those films directed by Francis Lawrence. I'm starving here, folks. It's going to be an incredible episode here of a deconstruction of a massive book franchise, film franchise of the past decade. So stay tuned and enjoy. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing? Thomas, how's it going? Are oh, we catching fire this week? Yeah, we Catching doing? fire? You're starving all week, it looks like. <laughs> I'm withering away over here. Um, the Hunger Games new film is here. It's a perfect, perfect five perfect slot. Perfect
1: five slot. Uh, about as perfect as we get. And uh, definitely, I mean, the king uh, of these young adult films. Uh, really... Uh, was was something that I, I really didn't care about these movies too much coming yeah. into them though. I mean, I think it was kind of important to get my thoughts down on it, uh, whether it be for a female I, demographic or uh, or uh, just that they're really big,
0: you know. Uh, yes, big female demographic, but nothing. I think it's more split between like the the teens mm. uh, than Twilight was. Like mm, I think yeah, yeah. Twilight, yeah. Or, like Crawl Dads or something like that, pure, oh, sure. pure uh, the kind of female audience. Yeah, yeah. This goes back and forth a little bit. I think. Sure. Because there's some action there. There's some grittiness to actually these. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what's crazy is it's literally, we've only really known The Hunger Games in film for 11 years, mm. and this is the fifth movie, which is just wild, Yeah, because the first ones came out in, in 2012, 13, 14, and then 15, yep. which yep. is wild. And cl- like
1: clockwork with the books. The books are like 08, 09, 010. Uh, so can't say
0: I love. I guess that's how that is.
1: Yeah, I I think it's just the market looking for these young adult adult movies. They they wanted them, and I mean there was success in the book space as well. Big, well so I mean it, it's not like that they, they weren't going to make money or anything like that.
0: I know it's it's more so a fact of I I like it. I liked knowing that the author actually has a complete direction mm-hmm. of where they want to go. Sure, this is like Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Where they got to be like, hey. Wait. Any more material Wait, here.
1: You know, what, you're making a game now? <laughs> yeah. I, don't you want to finish the books?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that whole thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but <laughs> all in all, they're, they're very successful. Of course, this shot Jennifer Lawrence to fame. Mm, yes. Because 2012, I forget when Silver Linings playbook came out. Was that 12 or 13? I want to say thirteen. Okay. Yeah. But right around there. Yeah. And absolutely. this is when people were like, she was hot on the scene. I mean, she was very young in two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just funny. I feel like we've been with Jennifer Lawrence with J Law for almost twenty years now. Yeah. Not really the not, case. Yeah,
1: not really. I mean, I guess uh 11. didn't she start on a sitcom? Yeah, the I mean, Bill- I
0: mean, she was in the Billing ball show. Oh the Bill right. and yes, show. Yes, that's right. And that's maybe right. another one. Which is like I had a small crush on her because I watched the Billing ball really? show. Really? I had a very brief period. It's a bad show. Very brief period for me where I was into uh, what was that comedy round that they did? Oh, it was uh, with Larry the Cable Guy, Billingsval, Jeff oh, Foxworthy. Oh, that's
1: right. Um, and Ron
0: White. Why can't I can't think. Uh, anyway, oof. anyway, that <laughs> yeah, clan. Yeah. I was into that clan for a very brief period. <laughs> right, right. Um, but that was during the Vaughn show. But yeah, definitely Hunger Games is what the you shot. might be, might be a redneck clan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and then The Hunger Games is what shot Jen, J-Law off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she's been with us ever since. <laughs> okay, should we just get into it right away? Any sure. Any opening notes?
1: I, 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 no, I, I kind of have things uh, layered in. Uh, so many of these movies are exactly the same. Yeah. So... I will say I tried to walk into this with as much as an open mind as possible, Uh, understanding that I'm not exactly the demographic here. I do like the world building, I like the sci fi spin of it. Not trying, you know, if something was gonna piss me off about these films, maybe just take a half step back because (laughs) ultimately I I, I wasn't reading the books or anything like that. Put the fangs
0: (laughs) away a little bit. Take the claws back. Take the claws back. (laughs) Okay, so so two opening things for me. One, so I did not get a chance to watch any of these. Okay. I actually kind of wanted to, but I have seen the first one before, uh, okay. but even today, at, even at work, I did I did listen to a lot of content sure. and went back and kind of timeline stuff. Okay, I, I, I agree with you where I kind of like the storyline. Yeah. I like the whole premise, and I'll say right off the bat, just these films in this PG-13 where teens can go, it's kind of safe still a little bit for 10, mm, 11, 12-year-olds sure. for their yep. family to go. I like it. I like that kids have this option. Yeah. Something a little bit more rough and tumble.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) R.H.
0: Uh, and then my only other question is, did you watch these in order, or yes. what did you watch?
1: I actually made sure to watch them in order. Uh, not that I think the new one as a prequel mattered so much, but it does, our main character is basically the yeah. Big, yeah, emperor, a bad guy, uh, President Snow. Okay. So it was kind of, I wanted to see the end
0: of, of the the saga, if you will, okay. uh, before having the so, prequel. So- Okay, so you started with just Hunger The Game. Hunger Games, yeah, yeah. and then you ended on the <laughs>
1: Oh, right. Yeah, no, no. I didn't watch them in Chronological in the sense that the new one was yeah, first. Okay, no. gotcha. Yeah.
0: Okay, all right. So with that, let's get into it. You structured these however you want, however <laughs> fast you want to go.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: Uh, let's start with the OG. This is 2012, PG-13, two hours and 22 minutes. These are all over two hours, all PG-13. Yep. So that's the lane that we're in. Yeah, absolutely. So knows. Which think- was
1: not something I was excited to see, but uh, they all they yeah. all kind of blurred together in a lot of ways. So.
0: <laughs> this is The Hunger Games. And right away, set it up for us a little bit, Vin. And how'd you like it?
1: Well, I would say where I'm coming into with all of these is that I am on the leash. I'm on the hook for the world building. <laughs> <laughs> what I am not on the hook for is, believe it or not, the Hunger Games itself. Uh, I feel like the competition elements and all of these, the action just unfortunately falls short probably as a middle ground and not showing blood in the very violent uh, games themselves. Right, uh, They got to do the PG-13 thing, which is totally understandable. And definitely not into the young adult uh, romance triangle that... Yeah. Uh, well, I think for in, to the point of watching all five of these movies, I was kind of fooling myself to say, "Oh no, but it's a sci-fi." No, <laughs> so you. no, it's it's definitely like a love triangle. <laughs> uh, so it's a, a teen romance. Uh, our director Gary Ross has a limited filmography. Two films I want to note real quick: uh, Sea Biscuit in two thousand three, which. Yep. Uh, a movie I just kind of wondered if anyone remembered anymore. <laughs> I feel
0: like Seabiscuit had a moment. Yeah, I th- I think so too. Yeah, uh, maybe. Well, that's the thing. We'll Revisits Seabiscuit for you week. and I was Seabiscuit back when we were craving World War One movies. Yeah. Before all the World War One movies came out, <laughs> we would always go back to oh, Seabiscuit. We gotta go Seabiscuit. And then horse movies. Yeah, yeah just... just so Seabiscuit would come out. Yeah. <laughs> that and
1: War Horse.
0: That yeah. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yep.
1: And his latest and last film, the fine winner of the Tommy flip-flop, Ocean's 8. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> he did Ocean's he 8? He did Ocean's 8. And then hasn't made a movie since, so... <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know if he's dead. I don't know if he's in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> hey,
0: there's, uh, there's new word that Ocean's Nine is rumbling. No way. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Of
1: course. Of course it is. Uh, this comes uh, only two years after the conclusion of Susan Collins, or Suzanne Collins' trilogy of young adult novels. Uh, folks, The Hunger Games, once again... And why I was interested in this, on a surface level, is I think it's it's good for um, the the ongoing study of of covering everything. Uh, the Hunger Games is a great lesson in striking while the iron is hot adapting these into movies came just in time to fill the power vacuum after the Twilight series was wrapping up in 2012 nonetheless this coming out on top with plenty of competition the peer young adult series of Maze Runner and Diversion all sharing a sci-fi spin mm. to kind of candleize the market Yep, uh, and of course this includes just constant criticism online of uh, the movies and the books ripping off the premise of a battle royale from the Japanese cult classic Battle Royale uh, which uh, honestly feels inescapable in comparison uh, comparison to this first movie the later movies move away from it actually uh, and kind of become a Blob of, of what this space feels <laughs> like, and and we also see that in our director switch up as uh, you rattled off
0: in the beginning, uh, very skillfully. I yeah, this, this Gary <laughs> Ross fellow, they probably saw the writing on there and kicked this guy, <laughs> kicked him out because uh, Francis Loris, this has really become his baby. Absolutely. This material, yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, in in a partnership with Collins, so uh, good stuff to see. And um uh, and and again, more than anything, uh, I I believe you know though this you could say you could discount this and say oh it's just a popcorn it's just a preteen type of uh, you know female demographic for these movies I think there is value in studying anything that is um, uh, successful to this degree and see yeah. what it does well and see what we can take away from it and, yeah. you know
0: it, this has big cultural relevance yeah I mean one it brought Lawrence to the stage sure it does have big actors in it. And all the reasons that you just laid out. Yeah. It, 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 these are very successful. Mm-hmm. The books are very successful. Yeah. It's good to get these on the site. Yeah. And, and all previously unrated, correct? All pre- Yeah, From exactly. like a master list and everything. Yeah, Without absolutely. Space.
1: This was kind of a black hole uh, for me in, in watching film. And not that I would, again, watch these normally, but I really wasn't watching a lot of movies during this time, especially in like 2012, 2013. Sure, so. okay. Uh, in The Hunger Games, uh, we see 12 impoverished districts all coughing up two tributes, 24 total to compete in a death match where only one remaining will stand. Jennifer Lawrence plays Katniss Everdeen, a stubborn but virtuous teen girl who volunteers as tribute to save her randomly chosen younger sister. Uh, We are thrusted into a dystopian capital of Pan Am and we see their twisted view of reality um, as the 74th Hunger Games looms over our children contestants. Uh, You know, this... The children spin, the battle royale spin. You know, it has bite to it. I feel like yeah. uh, knowing how the action plays out. I can't give it a lot of credit because uh, it, it shies away <laughs> from the in, the implied gore, the implied viciousness of things. Um, but uh, I feel, to your point, Tom, in a in a preteen audience, this hits really hard. You know, I mean, yeah. I feel like the violence here is is all you need to really be about this series. If you are, you know, younger and watching this,
0: I think one reason why this strikes heart th- strikes well with me. The whole premise is this very just reminds me of, and I don't think we've gotten a decent movie mm-hmm. because I think Ice T was in the only film oh, that boy. came out. But this is like a kid version of the Most Dangerous Game. Oh it's yeah, man, man hunting man, absolutely, is, is, essentially. And that premise that premise is always going to be good. Yeah, like, I'm always in. Yeah. And so I think I think adapting it for kids, uh, you know, I'm I'm very pro. Yeah, <laughs> pro Hunger Games. I'm in support of running the Hunger Games in real life.
1: <laughs> yeah. This uh, being a teen competition story, though, uh, we have to sit through many, many training sequences to kind of set up our MTV-style challenge uh, with uh, with a bloody spin. Uh, once we get into the competition, however, that's where things play out a lot more generically. I feel like the, the shittiest thing about this first one in particular is that The Hunger Games itself is probably the least interesting thing the movie does. Because the action is so held back, mainly, I think it all ties into some floppy rules of the game that could be used much better to crank up tension just in a in a in a screenplay or for the for the plot hmm. of it. One rule bend in particular feels incredibly stupid uh where they basically just change the wind conditions out of nowhere twice. they flop back and forth it's it's the tommy flip flop oh,
0: <laughs> so you don't like so people who aren't quite aware of it. The, this battle royale thing of the kids mm. they're in a controlled uh, manufactured ecosystem yes that can be controlled by the hi- what is the higher class called
1: uh i actually don't know the like the aristocrats yeah i don't know uh, what they would be okay. called
0: specifically but, but, but anyway the the, the game makers <coughs> yes. and and the real rule decision people mm. they on a whim can change weather and yep. drop crazy things in, into the arena essentially yeah
1: there's there's a there's an interesting economics to these early ones where it's it's about uh, spin it's about perception uh mm-hmm. in these games and how likable you are uh which uh, again in addition to the world building in addition to the sci-fi aspects that's what i love the most about it and where it played into some excitement even for hmm. the new release being in the, if you will, the heydays of uh,
0: of, of the Hunger Games. So that surprises me. Uh, it did. <laughs> you know, I thought you would have been all about the battle royale. I was I, like, let's I, see some kids going after each other. You know, <laughs> let's
1: see some bloodless. <laughs> I, I thought so too. The scenes they're just they're just super weak action wise. Yeah, you know, Katniss does not as a character, and I agree with this. I don't want her to be a, a war hero or anything like right. that. Katniss does not want to kill. The majority of these kids don't want to kill. Mm -hmm. So I feel by making that line in the sand, you automatically make your other teens that are eager, like, just kind of, like, really loosely written sociopaths and psychopaths. Like, what are these psychopaths? So, like, that's weak... And it has almost like an Ender's Game vibe, where it's like the competition is like, all right, you know, uh, you know, we, we we see who's the who's the best. That's a great comparison, you know? actually, because
0: yeah. that was a huge disappointment. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's just I, I don't know. I, I think in, in when we're actually in the Hunger Games, it's doesn't have as much bite as it this premise, this summary would let on. Oh, right? Know? Okay.
0: So, And you um, said specifically of the first one and I can almost give this a longer leash too because we're, you're easing into the audience. Almost. Sure. Different and, director
1: too hasn't hit the stride. Right. And with
0: all these films coming out it's it's as the games kind of need to get more and more crazy. Mm. For us as an audience watching these films yep. you need to amp it up a little bit as well. Absolutely. And, and
1: that's really why Catching Fire was uh, was a good time. Uh, I'll, I'll okay. make I'll make note of it. But uh, I like the, the the cranked up stakes okay. a lot in, cra- in Catching sense. Fire. I have to say, as a positive, they really I, I really did enjoy J Law's performances performance and the character itself of Katniss. Uh, she is principled, she is well defined. Uh, through the many scenes that test her character, I think uh, of how this movie is structured. Pretty much all of them are structured around testing the 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 virtue of Katniss's character, mm-hmm. what she will stand up uh, against, and what she will put up with. On the other hand, such a strong character work, almost every other teen performance is just terrible. I mean,
0: like, yeah, this is it, where the Ender Game kind of
1: aspect comes into play, the,
0: like the main kid, whoever he can, the main guy. Uh, oh, PETA. Yeah. Nice. Well, do you like him? No, no, no. But he's, he's not the main guy. Uh, my, my,
1: <laughs> my shorthand for the Hunger Games is Katniss wants two boyfriends. <laughs> but we'll get into that. But yeah, everyone yeah. everyone is just really, it's, it's not a good performance. There's, there's just such an annoying arrangement of you know psychopathic assholes that like it's just le- easily my least favorite part mm-hmm. about the film and it all
0: kind of is just watered down because yeah. everyone's tr- trying to be over the top I would say the one successful mm-hmm. over the top person is Stanley Tucci absolutely yeah, because- oh we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love the
1: Tucci pretty much anything around the gov- government uh, Pan Am the evil
0: empire right. uh, I'm down and Pan Am it. just to say again Pan Am is the world that we're in
1: yes Pan Am is basically the-, Pan Am is the-, a-
0: the nation right. uh, of the Hunger Games Which is a
1: capital and 12 districts. Okay. So,
0: and is it pronounced like the old airline? No, no.
1: Uh, It's a P A N E M. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought that was maybe a tie, actually, to, you know, I was theory crafting on the sci-fi. From the airline? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I thought thought because I thought it was dystopia, maybe there was like this, uh, I don't know. This is supposed uh, to, uh, this this capitalistic, you know, consumer-centric, I don't know. But no, no, no. Not not at least in the
0: movies. Uh, I didn't find anything. Um, But yeah, yeah. that's the nation. Okay, I took you off a tangent there. But back to performances, (laughs) everyone pretty much fails. Uh, Yeah, uh, uh, teen performances
1: fail. Yes. yes, Uh, I like like all the adults, especially, how hammy the villainy is in this yeah Uh, i gotta be honest and i may get crucified for this this is not too unlike star wars as far as how much of uh Evil empire, were up against rebellion type yeah, no, of brewing. Definitely, you know, definitely. I mean, it, as much as uh, probably Star Wars nerds, myself included, would want to deny that, but it really is
0: a, a very similar structure here. Well, they take so much of the same premises. Yeah. Right. You have people trying to be taken, to, trying to be heavily, heavily governed yep. by an ultra powerful. Group of people, exactly, and then you have the rebellion. Yeah, and, and just such rebels, like, a clear-cut
1: evil empire, you know, that right. they're up against. So, my hope with uh, among the team performances, and this is kind of a little bit uh, stretched across at least these first, you know, four films, the main, the main trilogy. Um, my hope was we were going to get a good matchup in these movies that there would be a fun rivalry or something like that. Unfortunately, nothing came. I was looking for. Out of the fodder, out of the token assholes that are obviously going to die in the Hunger Games, that yeah, the Katniss would—it's bingo, yeah. bingo. Katniss would have one sharpshooter. Maybe uh, you know she does uses a bow as well, and there would be some rivalry that, that's never really explored in any of these, mm. which is uh, a bit disappointing. Uh, it certainly doesn't come from Second Love Interest, played by Joss Hutcherson, uh, and his, I kid you not, cake decorating skills. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene that's a jump scare that is very unintended as a jump scare in this movie, where he perfectly camouflages himself with a rock because of these cake decorating <laughs> skills. And it's just like, What? <laughs> But uh, honestly, folks, I didn't think this was an outright bad film. Uh, For me, where the action and the main beats of the film were lacking, I really did enjoy the dystopian aspects to this. Uh, Everything around running the game, the society itself, is pretty great and kept me engaged out of curiosity to see where things were unfolding to get more nuggets. I feel like here's where we see the real standouts in supporting cast. Stanley Tucci as a you know, as cartoonish as possible game show host, Lenny Kravitz as like this, like, (laughs) you know, aristocrat uh, fashion design. Like cool roles and and cool casting (laughs) decisions as well. I really enjoyed that. Um, Believe it or not, (laughs) we'll continue even into the very newest one. We get some very interesting cast decisions, which I cannot wait to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) This is where, like, it makes up for the, the teen nonsense because you have, like, Semi big actors like yeah. Donald Sutherland, maybe not a name you really associate with, but the uh, dude's been acting for a very long time. He's a
0: name, yeah. she's a name, absolutely. What's the uh, the smoker, the weed smoker that everyone loves? Woody no. Harrelson's a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth uh, Banks is always peppered in somewhere, making <laughs> right a loose connection to uh to Ocean's Eight. I think she was uh, she was around. Ocean oh, Eight. I think she wrote uh, maybe. You, know. Are you sure she didn't direct Ocean's? Day? Oh, no, I'm thinking of Charlie's Angels. Oh, yep. You're thinking Charlie's Angels too? Ditto, yep. yep. <laughs> Ditto. No connective
1: tissue. Scratch that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, the, the supporting cast saved it a life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and added to that enjoyment of these this dystopian society we're unpacking over you know all these you know teen movies. I, I think uh, you know them being focused constantly around. Image and sponsorship, and this kind of age of spin mentality in how the games are run that's super interesting. It's uh, it's it has depth, uh, there, and uh, it's it's something that even though I wasn't about the Hunger Games when they were playing out. I was still paying attention uh, and, and had my interest for that reason. Uh, if there's anything keeping me on the leash, it's unpacking that world building. I think this is a double-edged uh, sword uh, because as much as I like the sci-fi spin, uh, as much as the action seems to be a point, it's actually about the love triangle. And uh, this romance is what will drive the series forward, and it's why it's able to feel fill the genre space in the first place. We're gonna go ahead and give
0: The Hunger Games two thousand twelve a sixty three. Okay, sixty three, and we're gonna see. I'm that's I think a good jumping off point. Mm. You know, I think there's some things that hit, and then like you said, uh, we'll see how things progress a little yeah. bit. Yeah, because you are just working off this first one now, so. Um, I'm excited to see where these numbers go, honestly. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know anything yeah. of how you're going to feel about these. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had made one comment, and you were like, it was nice watching these. Like, sure. It was nice to just know that you had these five films to watch. Yes. All kind of related. It's really one big movie, kind of. Exactly. So... I actually mm-hmm. found it
1: very easy to marathon a little bit. I did basically Mockingjay uh, all together, and then this and Catching Fire together. Oh, cool. So, see, yeah, all right. You know, they're, they're, that maybe deserves some credit, you know, yeah. as far as, uh, well, you know, what, what uh, a new viewer... <laughs> If I happen to be successful at recommending The Hunger Games, you know, to <laughs> someone that hasn't seen it, they might enjoy that aspect.
0: Cool. All right. So, like I said, we are jumping right from 2012. These are all in sequential order. So, this is 2013 right away. This is The Hunger Games, Catching Fire. You already said that you kind of like this one. Yes. Yeah. This is now directed by Francis Lawrence, uh, who's just taking the helm on all the rest of these now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Catching Fire, how do we come back to the second film and how do you like it? Pretty much everything you want in a sequel
1: uh, has a good playbook to have to make this sequel is in that you basically take every aspect that was working in the previous one and amping it up and maybe cutting some fat and um, actually one area that I think is very strategic is that they cut teen combatants from this. Uh, which is one of the most exciting things I've seen in watching a movie Movie back-to-back. I was like, hey, listen. They, li- <laughs> <laughs> they fixed their problems. Yeah, someone else was saying this somewhere <laughs> during 2012 and 2013. Like you said, director-wise, Francis Lawrence is basically the creative lead for the series here. Um Uh, Under his belt is our TV afternoon gems like I Am Legend and Constantine, Uh, and I was excited to crack into this because this is obviously his most famous uh, films now. This is a direct sequel, so I'll try my best to stay away from spoilers the best I can, but most obvious here is that Katniss is still around to fill a trilogy of movies. Right. in a movie about uh, one man surviving. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Catching Fire deals with the aftermath of the 74th Annual Hunger Games and how rebellion spurs in many of the 12 districts. Um, you know, how this hasn't happened before is anyone's guess. That's where you know early on i was watching this i was like how the hell did no no one was like for 74 years like <laughs> they were just taking this 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 atrocity uh, these these uh, messed up games and being all right with it. I don't know. But that that's why I kind of reeled it back. I'm sure. like, all right, let me, just, let me just pay attention to the ride <laughs> instead of picking a fight out of the gate. We spend a huge amount of time clocking up the menace of President Snow's tyrannical government, played by Donald Sutherland, and, and a very good job. Uh, among that tyrannical government is Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, talking a big game as the new right-hand bad guy. But I got to say, uh, really underwhelming with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's really? performance. Yeah. I was excited
0: to see that he was in this one.
1: Yeah, very bittersweet. We needed more Mission Impossible 2. We I needed g- more bomb in head.
0: Three, yeah. <laughs> mentality. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible 3. three. <laughs> uh, we needed more. I uh, put a bomb in your head. <laughs> <laughs> we needed that. And real quick, that, well, uh, one that really surprised me, actually. I get, you'll get into it more. Just Philip Seymour Hoffman, you see. Oh, this is gonna this is gonna elevate at ten points right here. I,
1: for sure, I, what I wanted it to be. Unfortunately, I, I I think in the timeline he died in February of 2014. His involvement is a lot more heavy handed in Mocking Jay Part One and Two. Okay. Uh, but they straight up just pull a Carrie Fisher in some sequences where but in they're just one? digitally inputting inputting him. Uh, in this one, uh, well, not in this one, in Catching Fire, it's it, it, that's where it my it's a critique. I mean, obviously, well, it, I'm not trying to you know kick him. But if uh, it came out, it came,
0: it came out in thirteen. <laughs> yeah, filming probably in twelve. Yeah, yeah, and maybe even eleven. Right, but you're still thinking, uh, like, what's the deal?
1: Uh, maybe like a decline of his health, okay. or or even his attention, because it was an overdose. Uh, but uh, that's why it is a, cri- a criticism in Catching Fire because he's fully in a lot. Uh, of how the plot moves forward and his his him kind of being almost like a worm tongue in uh, Sutherland's ear. Ah, that's his character. Um, okay, you know, just <laughs> shorthand for right. a character type. <laughs> uh, it was just disappointing for that reason. Okay, you know, uh, all things being self-contained and just catching fire. Yeah, and, it also uh, sounds
0: kind health. of just like his character is just like, he could never be the biggest baddie. And because true, he was, he was second to the mm, biggest baddie, Dollar Sutherland. Yeah,
1: that that's a very good point.
0: Uh, before I let you run with this, when exactly one ends, mm. right? Okay. One ends and then it, Catching Fire starts and we're like next day, uh, next absolutely. year okay. uh, to
1: the point of it's a it's a victory lap uh, to all the districts of what we're kicking okay. off with. Gotcha, so, all right. Yeah, both President Snow's and Hoffman's character. I, know, I forget his name. I think it was uh, someone. They got they got weird names in this. They got uh,
0: what do you, you uh, almo- you?
1: almost uh, Harry Potter esque names that they're needlessly uh, needlessly visual. I Plutarch think. or Plutarch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What's his last name? Uh, Heavensby? No. He- Heavensby. Yeah, Heavensby. 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 Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, minor point. Have a bone to pick with some of the names, but no, we're going to move this too hard. way too much to cover. <laughs> <laughs> Heavensby and Snow, both having equal frustration with their new problematic icon from District 12, spur on a devilish idea for the upcoming Hunger Games championship. A championship round wrangling in bigger threats and inescapable for our girl on fire gotta say this all-star spin felt good i was all about okay it. I, yeah. was, I was about it in a very popcorn campy way they basically took my criticism for these shitty teen combatants that don't have a chance yep. and are just annoying on screen and playing very cliche ways and they made these fun legend characters to that we get to unpack on screen. They all have specialties. They're all from different districts and are legends in themselves. And straight up, I mean, this type of competition arc is what works in countless mainstream shonen animes of just being... You get cool characters on screen, they all have powers, and they're up against our hero. And I really enjoy this movie for that reason. <laughs> As the sequel stakes are punched up more and more in mm. this, it's in a satisfying way. It's not for... Uh, any sake but diverting from a playbook of, hey, how do we make a sequel? We we take everything that works and we clock it up. And I think it works in a, in a big way for that reason. Um, does this hold up once all the games get started? Not quite. Uh, but it added to a layer of... Taking that training arc, taking our introductions of why are we doing hunger games again mm-hmm. uh, and this like all star round i was I was all about it it was It was very fun,
0: and in the lore of this world mm-hmm. in this pan Am world basically it's it's my understand that there's quarters or sectors where it's every twenty five years, it's yes. like a big moment for the games, yep. so the fifty was a big one, and now. The 75th one which is this Bingo. it's like how do we amp it up exactly this is how they amp it up yeah it's yep. purposeful right a-
1: and and uh, again it's in the the strategy it's in the intrigue of um of the society of these elites the game makers the president snow how evil the empire is of this right it's fun because i feel like it's a good idea for how do we possibly try to kill katniss well she just won we got to make a championship round there's no yeah. other winners so. very
0: gladiator-esque yeah yeah uh very very much so where it's just like let's just keep on throwing everything at we got at it. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. It really is almost like gladiator because this entire the reason why this exists is so the elites can watch this. Absolutely. It's, right? And there's even like advertising behind it, like, oh, like for let's sure. get bigger and bigger. It's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. the
1: sponsorships, if you want to send water, if you want to send, right. you know, supplies <laughs> or something. And I again I cannot I cannot stress enough, that is where I feel like these movies are uh, really interesting for me, yeah. because I like world building. I like uh, unpacking that that stuff. For sure, so. for sure. Also, with Katniss back in her home district, uh, we are fully able to slip into the implied love triangle of the first film. Uh, this is, of course, PETA versus Gale, uh, or should I say country boyfriend versus emotional boyfriend? <laughs> uh, country boyfriend being Gale, actually. Uh, and
0: uh, I fully understand... And hey, Liam Hemsworth, correct? We should get... Yes! Right? Yes,
1: yes. Liam Hensworth and then Peta is Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. Listen, folks, I fully understand that I'm not the target audience for this, but I I, I really do. I really do. (laughs) But this love triangle for the whole series boils down to Katniss just wanting two boyfriends (laughs) Uh, to the point that she kisses the the, the other boyfriend in front of the boyfriends and reaffirms love with both of them privately and is just playing them. (laughs) I'm telling you. Uh, You know, when she's around Gail, it's all an act for tricking the Hunger Games and her relationship with PETA, but PETA pulls off some of the most snake boy bullshit, cuddling with her, and she has a nightmare and shit. Uh, yeah. Just didn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> It just was like, oh, okay. All right. Um, honestly, this is nowhere close to the romance focus of peer films, and, of course, referring to Twilight, uh, but like I said, it is the secret main story because what drives the plot forward in all of these, and especially, we will come back to this for the Mockingjay part one and two, is the romance, so... I I can praise all the sci-fi aspects. I can praise, you know, the concept, Mm -hmm. um, characters. When it comes down to it, what actually drives the plot forward is the romance uh, and being Katniss's driving force. Sadly, this film falls short for me in two big ways from uh, being otherwise much, much more positive. Um, First, we got to talk about the writing because people just announce the dumbest shit imaginable. (laughs) There are... A handful of these really obvious moments just spelled out by characters, like blurring out whatever comes to mind. I think the one was just like, oh, it's 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 a bird, and that means freedom. <laughs> it's just like, okay, got it, <laughs> understood. <laughs> uh, like, I, I feel like a lot of the symbolism is easy to understand, but um, you know, right, it's a
0: thirty-year-old guy. <laughs> I guess you gotta dumb like, it down a little bit. This is like a baby. Congrats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) spoon fed we often say it's it's all spoon fed for us
1: for sure definitely spoon fed the the baby food Uh, and and countless characters just die in really really stupid ways it feels cheap Mm. in the rising tension of the plot and these token deaths as I'll kind of call them for this whole franchise are of course needed to slim down on the combatants not once do any of these films actually utilize its premise of 24 two from each there's I mean, within the opening moments of all these Hunger Games, they always slim down to like 12 or 10. So Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. why have it at all? But regardless, we need 24. And, you know, these token debts are just. They just feel effortless. They yeah, feel like, yeah. uh, once again, my critique of the rules of the Hunger Game, they feel too floppy. They feel loosey-goosey. And uh, the tension is going to come from understanding the stakes as an audience, understanding the rules as we do as the characters understand the rules. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
1: Action on the second half of that is uh, swapped, uh, swapping the Battle Royale for... Something else, which uh, might not be apparent on the surface, you might look at this and say, "Oh, it looks like the same type of thing." On the surface, that premise of twenty-four walk in, one walks out—it's there, but moment moment action is closer to a Jumanji-style pu- puzzle uh, or challenge. Mm-hmm. It's less about Mortal Combat and more about like survival puzzles. And, uh, you know, this structure will pave the way for how the Maze Runner series, which kind of comes in between of this to uh, mm-hmm. hit, the same, hit the same demographic, it'll, it'll pave the way for how that feels, which looms around the corner to make sure to be there for anyone, any young adult not digging the Hunger Games series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The survival puzzles, again, they're more so environmental. As you said, they can mess with the arena uh yeah. with like weather and stuff like that more and more we we lean further and further away from mortal combat and the viciousness of that and more like how do we survive as a group and that's a shame someone's gonna die yeah. <laughs> you know as a <laughs> result of you know it's there can only be so many characters so much of Catching Fire though uh, I think does get it right and in a lot of ways fits into what I think an ideal sequel should be especially for a popcorn blockbuster like this uh, and even though most viewers will be on the hook for the two part finale by the end of this uh, so much of style and proven structure goes out the window for the movies to come. I really do wish more of this series would try to catch fire. We're going to go ahead and give Catching Fire 2013 a 66.
0: Okay, okay. Like, I have a feeling I know where we're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and a slightly enhanced puddle from maybe uh, the driving movies there again. From- the driving
1: movies. The driving movies that will not be named. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. All right. So, 66 for The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Let's just keep it going. Next year, 2014, this is The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. And let's start it off right away. So, once again catching fire ends mm. we start this is picking right up same day next day uh, or we have some time lapse here
1: uh, a little bit a tiny bit of a time lapse uh, okay. just because of uh, what we're setting up for what will be the kind of empire versus rebellion sure. that okay. is brewing uh, in, in the tradition set by the colossal harry potter Uh, and as well the Twilight series, we see the final book of this franchise being split up into two parts. Uh, And I think it's appropriate to touch on this where... It has only increased in popularity in 2023. Uh, Spider-Verse and Fast X come to mind. Oh, just don't
0: forget about all the TV shows that break up their last seasons. Oh, very true. Which is the most annoying thing. Very true. It's it's quite aggravating.
1: Yeah. You know, if I asked my younger self folks, I would have said I despise this trend. This is probably my least favorite trend going back to the years that I might have been watching this in 2014 or, you know, and prior. you going back on this? I don't know. I think I get, I'm, I'm getting, I'm going softer in my old age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think,
1: uh, I don't know. I, I guess where I'm coming from is that as a critic now, I want to keep emotion aside. Yep. Be as rational as possible. <laughs> of course, as possible. of course. But also as a critic, I kind of want there to be a function of like, as a as a singular question, is the two-parter worth it? For Mockingjay, no, not at all.
0: Not at all. Like I said, they're both over two hours. Yeah, and, and so, honestly, I mean, is- Go
1: ahead. Sh- for the 20 minutes they shave off of the typical two hour and 20 or so, Uh, They should have just made one three-hour film. could have very easily. It could have handled everything? Absolutely. To the point that Mockingjay Part 2 will cover in a second. I mean, first 40 minutes are functionally just a recap of Part 1. Oh,
0: God. Okay. Uh, Or or maybe a rehash. So unnecessarily slow. Yeah. This part one and part two.
1: I, I think so. Or more so, not even that slow. It's just a waste. Uh, it's it's going over the same things okay. over and over again and almost needlessly adding to the pile uh, of what was already apparent to, I feel, the, the series and viewers of this. Okay. As far as setup, the revolution is here and a hidden communist District 13 is trying to stoke the fires the Mockingjay marking started. Katniss is surrounded, and I mean surrounded, by death and at her breaking point, but she pushes onward in defiance of President Snow for the good of Pan Am. For the first time, she's able to see the full horrors of what Snow is capable of. So she embarks on a journey to spotlight the atrocities uh, that are suppressed for so many. And while she plays the role of the Mockingjay for propaganda, her real goals are set on recapturing PETA from the Capitol, her long-lost second boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think this is a perfect example here. I mean, it's... Uh, while... Katniss, sure, she talks a big game and has a lot of opinions on you know, burn down the empire, and and yeah. and, and uh, that would land her in this rebellion. Normally, what actually is driving her forward is just getting peanut. Ah, okay. While country boyfriend is with her by, <laughs> by her side, so supportive, <laughs> so sub- all about that rebel life, you know. And it's just, man, it's. it's just constantly they need the love triangle uh, the, i feel like the the screenwriters adapting this story were like if we don't have the love triangle they won't pay attention they won't. <laughs> and i don't think that's the case i really don't
0: <laughs> it, i mean very much the twilight formula yeah exactly did we go for patterson or that other guy who You're didn't right. end up making it in hollywood there you go right. there you go
1: <laughs> as as the movie played out mm-hmm. so to my disappointment, uh, this movie leans far, and I mean far away from the society intrigue that works so well in the first hour of both of the last films. Uh, both in visuals and ideology, uh, District 13 is a olive drab mess of intentionally lacking personality, but is also impo- impossibly boring to unpack in the story versus the messed up dystopian society and so much depth to how they interact with The Hunger Games as a premise. Due to the Rebellion plot, we get a lot more action and military operation sequences and... Sadly, once again, action is just not the strong point of this film.
0: Yeah. Not the strong point
1: of our director, either. And I think that's totally fine. You don't have to make an action film, but
0: it is an action
1: (laughs) (laughs) film. what it is, an action film. Katniss's primary action as a character is being paraded with a film crew to muster support uh, on two levels. It just doesn't work for the plot or character arc. This was probably most disappointing, because by splitting up the part one and two... We are not testing Katniss in the way that the writing has been so strong. Mm -hmm. I got to really say, like, the writing is strong around creating the hero of Katniss Everdeen, testing her, uh, defining her through the challenges she's overcome, and here it's watered down in probably the worst way possible that it's just like, she's not tested at all. There's nothing gained. There's no good information. There's no development here in this part one. And that's why it's a little bit of a waste. Okay. Okay. uh, Most idiotic of all is continuing this romantic tension with PETA and Gail. Man, oh man, you know, uh, like I said, poor country boyfriend, Gail, he finally gets Katniss all alone and she, she cares about just saving PETA. Um, The fact that the Rebellion, then, cares about PETA at all is mind-bendingly stupid uh, as a singular asset and all the things I have to worry about. Uh, And it's the only bargaining chip that Katniss has to sway the plot. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want J-Law to suddenly become a military killer soldier. She's, She's... Got a high body count. You know, that's not the arc of the character. That would be much, much worse. Right,
0: right. But at the She cin- doesn't like to kill.
1: You no, know, no, she doesn't. Right. She's trying to avoid war. Uh, she's trying to avoid killing. Just how she, you know, she wanted to... Her her arc is, is perfectly demonstrated in how she volunteered for tribute to mm-hmm. save her sister. The only the only reason why she has any care in this war plot in these in these meetings and these council meetings is she's just like, Oh, but we gotta get PETA, right?
0: <laughs> it gets obnoxious.
1: Oh, I, oh and then and then PETA's also absolved of like any crime, right?
0: <laughs> and it's just like what?
1: why would they care? He's a teenage <laughs> boy and this is civil war. <laughs> Also, I'm fine with a drastic change in how a movie feels as a sequel. But uh, this movie has none of the same strengths as previous films and feels different in a way that just doesn't work, like flat out doesn't work. Scenes are war-focused and have so little to do with testing Katniss's character, like I said, that you know, despite this Mockingjay persona being larger than ever, character moments for Katniss are, are quite slim, actually. I feel the amount of scenes that we get where J-Law is just walking around, jaw dropped at the atrocities around here, mm-hmm. are just overkill.
0: It's like, I get it. Right. It's it's just, it's too much. Yeah,
1: I get it. Uh, and, th- and that's really where I return to that question, is the two-parter even worth it? You know, over half the film beats us over the head in saying Empire bad. And... I, I, I'll say some some scenes are striking, but it's also the lesson we learn for two whole-ass movies. I it's very know true. the Empire is bad. It's very true. You know, From the I, get-go. Exactly. Yeah. I know Katniss hates the Empire. I don't need this. You know, I mean, this isn't the writing that I saw in the previous two films. And it's, I, I can't really blame Collins for it, because it's clearly not her, you know, the books are one, two, and three. It's not this two-part
0: stretch. So, so you think they're stretching out her source material?
1: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. It's why I have a bone to pick with that trend to, in the first place, yeah. because it's like no, it, this doesn't need to be stretched out. Uh, it pays. It pains me to say it's a waste, especially when we get some really fun, hammy moments with Donald Suther- Sutherland playing President Snow again. But yeah, it's a waste. You know, these two movies, like I said in the beginning, with runtime slimming down to two hours, could have just been a single three-hour film. The whole plot just seems so disconnected from characters, and to me, stylistically, the film fails by embracing a more generic rebellion as its new subject. We're going to go ahead and give Mockingjay Part 1 a 40 on the dot. Wow, wow.
0: Yeah. We're really not that big of a fan. Uh, I I, I mm almost—go ahead. Uh, well, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I almost felt like this might have had the most juice going for you yeah. because I know how much you love Star Wars, and this sure. is really this is re- where the war is. This happening. is yeah the, yeah. yeah, the rebellion is here, yeah. and it's 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 happening. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think it was Poe that said the line, I forget, I think it was Poe, but the tighter they grip, the more kind of seeps out of the fingers. The mm. seeps out of the fingers. Interesting. And that's where I feel like that this is where this film is at. Yeah. Where, okay, we're getting ready now. Sure, sure. But I guess there's no Death Star, so... <laughs> We just have to we're really the Death Star is PETA. Then <laughs> <laughs> the safe year PETA.
1: Interesting. Maybe I uh, will. <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so let's keep it let's keep it rolling here. So right in, next year, twenty fifteen, this is the Hunger Games Mocking Part two. Mm. Uh this one's a little bit longer. This is like your two and a half hour um I think it's still two.
1: Yeah, I think the the new one is two and a half hours.
0: Uh Okay, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry about that. No, it's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two seventeen. The yeah, other I'm one was right. two three. I mean, what are we doing here? Yes. <laughs> Regardless, uh, part two. Where are we ending up here? And and how'd you like it? Uh,
1: well, I, I think this was better in the way that a, you know a conclusion to anything like this. It's it has cathartic. To be yeah, exactly. It's it's the it's the finale. I mean, if you're right. not gonna like the razzle dazzle, then you know, do you like it at all? Right. I, I suppose my bone to pick with this film is uh, it's the film that killed C- Philip Seymour Hoffman. But <laughs> 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 but um, you know, sadly, it does it does mark the the last time he would be in a film. Uh, like I said earlier in the reviews, dying in February 2014, and and again more. Than anything, kind of bittersweet. His his character has uh, a serious role to play in all of these, and obviously, it is a very hard dice roll. If you have the passing of an actor, we covered this with a good handful of movies, actually, even on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, them kind of digitally switching them out, as they did with Carrie Fisher in those Disney Star Wars movies, um, it just doesn't look good. And it's a good a good while earlier in the tech.
0: Oh, this tech is early, early on. Yeah, because the Star Wars. This is 2015. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the first time we see it almost in the Force Awakens. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, where we see it with that one general.
1: For, oh. for only
0: sheer moments. Sure, sure. And then we go back to the classic 2010 Tron, is what oh, really went after this with good Jeff Bridges.
1: Cats, that is, <laughs> and, and Disney as well because they're probably pioneering right, the stuff.
0: Right. Wow. So it's just real early on in the really yeah. early on in the tech now. Like Tron goes hard it with, with the aging, into, yeah. with Jeff Bridges, like paving yeah. the way. Yeah, um, but I just think with with Sylvester morehoff it, it it would really look out of place in this film.
1: Yeah, he just looks like a quiet monk, just like inserted into the corner of scenes, yeah, like because yeah. it was clearly like a maybe even like a slowed footage of him just like chilling. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, B cuts, and, things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and again, my heart goes out to a production. You you make the best of it, That make the best you can, um, especially with someone so pivotal. But yeah, some something that kind of was, was bittersweet in, in looking at this. Mocking J Part Two is nearly identical to part one for the first forty minute runtime, further proving it really should have just been one movie. Seriously, identical beats are put in front of us that mostly are pulled off better than all of the beats in part one. Okay, again, to... makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's like, the way it should have, should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: true. Right, right. I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't like it didn't like split it and pepper part one with some of the good right. mom- the, the the better moments of part two. Yeah. It's, it's just a shame that they, they split it up at all. Uh, I, I kind of can't get over it because of how much I kind of believe that you don't even need to watch part one uh, to continue on to this movie.
0: Oh, well, like you said, the first 45 minutes are catch-up anyway. Exactly. It's
1: catch-up. It's also uh, rehash in the same in the sense that like Katniss sees similar types of astro- atrocities of war uh, and has mm. a similar takeaway for her arc uh, as a character. You know, one in particular towards the beginning of the story beats anything stylistically A part one and could really, you know, just be shorthand for skipping that movie entirely. Um, uh, and if, you know, if anything, while encouraging skipping part one, I found myself a little actually numb watching these back to back in the better moments of the film after seeing Jennifer Lawrence's sad face Crying over war atrocities so many times, I was actually numb to the more heavy parts of the film later on. Makes sense because it was like, wow. I mean, they're, they're putting this girl through
0: through hell,
1: <laughs> so much trauma on her, and and could be powerful. It doesn't hit. It, it it I really numb is is the word that comes to mind.
0: It totally makes sense with watching it back to back too. I can yeah. only imagine if you're a 15 year old girl and you're waiting a <laughs> year in between films, right. hits again yeah maybe Uh, it's true True. (laughs) again for you watching back to back as a 50 year year (laughs) old
1: but i i yeah maybe that was my bad for watching them back to back um no no uh, no come on no but i i if i really had to die on the hill of actually skip part one and Mm -hmm. go against the intended watching list of it is that in that first 40 minutes I mean, without going into it and really breaking down every beat, I feel like so much is just a rehash of to get us in the same mood that Katniss would be in after a movie of seeing the same war, war atrocities. And stylistically, they're better. They hit harder. They're they're better, um, you know, thematically. Yep. Uh, so, um, but that, that that's where I'm coming from on that. Now re- recaptured from the clutches of President Snow, PETA returns in... Quite possibly one of the boldest, but also oddest character arcs possible. <laughs> and this is what I was referring to with part one—that it's very different. You know, I can't blame these films for just rehashing the same idea again and again. Peta returns as being a victim of psyop torture. That his yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's go, let's go. <laughs> let's
1: go. Listen, I, I, it's it's bold. It's uh, it's a little out there and striking. Uh, honestly, it angered me on so many levels. Not only is he a risk to the rebellion, keeping this this uh, sleeper cell asset, and not only is he included in the most asinine ways imaginable, they put this man, this teen, this boy, <laughs> on a leader council at one point, and I was just like, no, <laughs> what? <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Uh, he is still seen as a, you know, uh, above all of this, he's still seen as a valid romantic partner for Katniss uh, that we will endure to the very end. Um, you know, of of the the 12 things this film tries to juggle in its conclusion, this is by far the worst. You know, I, I don't want to tear into this too much because I, I still haven't read the books and maybe there was more depth there in... Uh, how the, the rebellion was operating, or something books, like that.
0: Their yeah, books. I think you can assume that. Sure, their books. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, uh, wow! I, I just the the note for a while. I, I had three lines <laughs> li- written for Mockingjay Part Two, uh-huh. uh, and was sweating how much I didn't think about the film. <laughs> this movie was wow stupid as <laughs> one wow. of the things. because it was just just for Pita's involvement. But but as far as kind of this re rewash, we see Katniss go through the same things that took you know two hours to tell, and until the story is actually doing something of 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 significance, it mm-hmm. actually is moving. Um, we see Katniss finally going rogue within the rebellion to stop things herself, living up to her character, living up to the stubbornness and, and, the, and, and, her principles. While, until she does that, it's identical to the plot, uh, to plot in part one. Finally, the movie gives our girl the agency she needs to prove that she can be a leader and to have a meaningful character development for the first time in, in, you know, whole movie. Uh, from all the trauma that is poured on her between these two films, the story betrays her character by having her do nothing about it, which is not her character. Right. She's, she's spurring into action. Without reading the books, once again, I don't understand if this was intended by Collins or not. But until she goes rogue, there was nothing to like about her previous very solid character work. Again, that military op- operation action scenes come up and are not great, but the film remixes some of the stylings to give us survival puzzles like we saw in Catching Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is good. Once again, we're with this like propaganda squad. They're they're traveling through the war torn capital. The game makers, uh, the uh, if anything, what you were kind of asking about earlier. What what is their you know the high elite, right those elitists yeah. exactly uh, that are running the Hunger Games and whatnot. Their inventions for the Hunger Games are kind of turned into vicious obstacles designed to dwindle the huge cast of secondary characters. Uh, and once again, at least it's kind of a return to form. Part one, Mockingjay, doesn't even resemble this series in a lot of way. It's yeah, scattered. At least this is kind of moving towards again, uh, what our characters are being confronted with. Yeah, uh, in a story structure sense, uh, are these like survival puzzles? You know,
0: yeah, are they getting back to the Hunger Games? Exactly. Type of deal. I mean, exactly. Yeah.
1: Or at least you know, without actually running, uh, you know, the formal Hunger Games, they're up against Hunger Games like challenges. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I found myself questioning the logic of some of these uh, more than other films in the series, but uh, I'll, I'll, dial, I'll dial back my criticism of it because uh, it really is far better than forcing Katniss to be, uh, you know, a war-killing machine uh, and also betraying her character further by having her not do anything and, and throwing constant, constant trauma at her. Overall, this conclusion is, uh, is is not great, unfortunately, uh, and surprisingly doesn't stick the landing. Uh, I want to say, if I was reviewing this back in 2015, I might hope future franchises would learn a lesson from this, but clearly that's not the case. There's still plenty of part twos. <laughs>
0: That's for sure. I know, it's like they're getting more popular, which is really annoying.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, There's just such a muddy message told in the countless lives affected by the Civil War in Pan Am, uh, with many characters having no clue how to get their own thoughts together over it. But this point, by this point, I should say, uh, I wasn't even mad about it. Despite loving some of the world building and wanting to see how grand the story would end, I wasn't mad because I realized what the story was about. And, And all of you will realize it too if you watch this movie when the final moments focus on the romance. And you'll consider that mm-hmm. the whole series was being driven by that all along. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and give Mockingjay Part 2 a 49. Wow, 49.
0: <laughs> I wonder how good it would have been if you combine, so this is like four and a half hours, or four mm-hmm. hours and 20 minutes, if you combine these two, mm-hmm. like you said, to three hours. Sure. You're cutting a full 60 minutes, you know, shaving off of time now. Yeah. So much less backstory you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. How much snappier? How much more? What would, would each minute hit? Sure, you know, minute over minute. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just hope that the newest Mission Impossible coming out is not going to have the same issue. <laughs> oh, we're, yeah. We're hoping that has a lot of punch. Oh, Of course, how could I forget one, that with the Not part... a lot of punch. Yeah, the first one.
1: Yeah, I. I how could I forget uh, that? That is another huge part one, part
0: two. So we're gonna, like you said, we're gonna see more of it too. Yeah. And all right, Vin, before we get into our new releases, we are just going to go ahead and go into our producer segment because mm. we have a producer for today. Excellent. And we have a very good friend of the show, <laughs> a very good producer. We have Matt D coming in. <laughs> so who do you think Matt's going after this week? <laughs> this is a new fun game. Who's, <laughs> who's he who going after? Yeah. <laughs> He's got his knives out on, on either one of us, I'm sure. <laughs> I think I think it's going to be you. you think, I, yeah, you got the last one. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Matt. Matt D. D. writes, Tom, this one's for you. He goes, I have to call bullshit on something that has been bothering me for weeks now. And I have to admit, I've read this before. Yeah. I got nervous. I actually got nervous
1: (laughs) when I heard
0: this. Yes. (laughs) I have to call bullshit on something that has been bothering me for weeks now. I hope you can clear up this irreconcilable contradiction. (laughs) It's well documented that you have trouble staying awake for movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Comedy, action, four-hour-long movie, 90-minute movie, it doesn't matter. You'll (laughs) fall asleep.
1: The Tommy nucleus
0: He goes, "Yeah." (laughs) You continue to talk about how much you enjoyed the three-and-a-half-hour-long snore fest that is The Irishman. (laughs) (laughs) How can this be? Is it possible you slept through act two and didn't realize? (laughs) Maybe you woke up after 90 (laughs) minutes, finished the film, and thought, wow, that was a snappy three-and-a-half-hours he did it again. P.S. After you answer this, can you ask Vin what, in his opinion, is the greatest achievement in cinema history? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> this is a heavy, heavy question anchoring, anchoring that. <laughs> uh, thank you both. Enjoy the show as always. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much. So, okay. I love the Irishman. I don't know what it is. You didn't know you were giving a hot take when you
1: when you said
0: that on that episode. I, I, and I've said it in multiple episodes. <laughs> yeah. Here's the biggest thing. This is all everyone listening, Matt D., So pre-podcast, I would have time to watch movies. Oh. <laughs> now, now. It's 11.30. I'm you know, exhausted. I finish up the newsletter, and I think, all right, <laughs> let's see how long I could last into, you know, Kong's Coal Island. <laughs> um, I really do. I love The Irishman. I think it goes. It just spe- It piques my interest. What can I say? J- just like that. And again, Snorefest. me Snore fest. If anything, Killers of the Flower Moon is more of a Snowfest than The Irishman. By the way, I've watched the extended version of The Irishman.
1: There's an extended version? I
0: think there's an extended version. No it's, like, it's four way. and a half hours. Wow. I'm wow. pretty sure. Unreal. Anyway. So I don't know. I, I gotta tell you, I just liked the movie, and it was pre-podcast. <laughs> true. Still, when true. I watch it, I watched it since the podcast too, and I think I stayed awake for it. Yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, what can I say? What can I say? Scorsese, I'm into it. Maybe it's a Scorsese thing. Because Killers it's of the true. Flower Moon, no issue. Right. Right. No issue. <laughs> it's just you know, Scorsese. I go in and watch Indiana Jones. You know, I right. got, got the gummy the gummy nerds trying <laughs> to get the sugar in me just to stay awake. <laughs> just to
1: stay awake for Dial of <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But we'll anyway. have to put Silence to the test. Silence is that movie that he did oh, about yeah. the monks in Japan been dying to watch <laughs> really
0: it. well because you know I really feel like people and me included in this mm-hmm. kind of think that Liam Neeson is really kind of B we all love him but he's a mm. B actor he's kind of yeah he had such a punch with um the what was it 1994's Schinders List oh
1: sure yeah absolutely 93 something like yeah. that
0: you know but that, he's
1: become that uh, he's become the uh take post taken, yeah. And it's absolutely. a shame,
0: I think, because I feel like he's got chops. Yeah. Anyway, so um <laughs> I guess that's my answer to that, Matty. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's good enough for you. But basically I guess I really like those movies, so it's easy to stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> Across
1: genre, how we think That's Even so though good. now,
0: even if I like a movie, there's still a chance I'm going to be falling asleep too. It. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but the anyway, Tommy goes. Narcolepsy. <laughs> P.S., after you answer this, can you ask Vin what, in his opinion, it's is the, the greatest, greatest <laughs> achievement in film history?
1: You put that so succinctly as well.
0: <laughs> I thought he was saying, when I first read, I skimmed it. I thought he was saying that this <laughs> is me staying awake for these movies. Oh, all right. It's the greatest achievement. No. So, do you, what do you think the greatest achievement I, I, in all of film history is? Rain
1: check on this. I cannot <laughs> say this off
0: the cuff of, for the internet. How about will you get, bring it next week? I'm,
1: I'll get torn apart.
0: <laughs> How about you bring it next week?
1: All right, maybe. I don't.
0: <laughs> that, that's
1: a real. I mean, what sound. do you say?
0: Sound in film?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, greatest achievement. We have to. That's too much. Okay,
0: okay, yeah. We could spend three hours right. on that. Right. Um okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you both. Enjoy the show as always. Uh thank you so much. Matt thank you so much, Matt D. Um, I didn't even say it. His donation was a movie ticket to you, Vin. Excellent. So Eleven dollars and seventy-five cents, the national average of the movie ticket in two thousand and twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll here. Uh, so a few things I want to bring up uh, specifically for this for this mm, episode. Yeah, One, yeah. if we have new listeners or people haven't heard the spiel before, which uh, for every show, we take a stop. We take a break here to thank our producers who produced the show, this episode. Mm-hmm. The idea is we're completely producer-supported. We're not going to rely on advertising money, and we like to think no matter how big we get, no matter how popular we get, Uh, we don't want to treat you as the product. We don't Mm want to shill a bunch of products to you. And then that gives us money from advertising companies and, it's kind of a messy thing. We're not going to care about the products. We're basically lying to you, and we're all mm. about growing the advertising base or sure. just getting more and more listeners so we can take all those download numbers and go pitch it to advertising. Companies. Yeah. Like You actually become the product. Um, another thing is is that this is a big through line to you. The people who actually care about the show will continue to care about the show and show us what value they're getting. and That's why we call it the value-for-value value model. Matt D., he is continually uh, producing the daily ratings. And through that, he is letting us know how much value he's getting. Sure, Uh, We don't have paywalls or anything like that where a Patreon does, where you have to give $10 a month, $50 a month, and get different packages. We give you more content with more money. Uh, Technically, it's all here. It's all free for you. But if you're getting value from what we're doing here, we we do the podcast once a week. Obviously, we host we host it. We also run the website on the other side. It's a companion piece to this. Mm-hmm. Where we're literally building our own database, our own Rotten Tomatoes nine BD, sure. alongside the podcast. Absolutely, it's a it's very time consuming, but it's pretty cool. And if you're not loving Rotten Tomatoes, because. Everyone kind of bitches about them. You have another place to go to. Mm. Is that valuable for you? Are you critiquing your own movie lists or making your own movie lists? Are you about film more now than what you were before you were listening to the podcast? Or are you stopping by once a week with us and having fun? Uh, That's value in your pocket. We ask you, can you give us some value in our pocket? You go to the daily ratings.com. You go, uh, well, kind of. This is what I'm. <laughs> I
1: have to change my <laughs> here's, spiel. Here's the
0: part two. Um, the point is, <laughs> you donate to the show, to the daily ratings. Yes. And through your donations, you become a legit actual producer of the daily ratings. It's just like Hollywood. If you're going to give us money, you're a producer. Mm. Uh, Matt D, he's the only producer this week. So he is the executive producer of episode 109. The reason why I usually say go to the donations tab on the daily ratings. <laughs> So we have fun amounts there we have set donations like one fun one timers with their own names and uh, we might even have a monthly set up and a weekly. The problem is we are we're having some difficulties, technical difficulties on our donation page right now. Uh, for those of you who've really been listening for a long time, you know how difficult it was setting this page mm, up yep. and how much of a hassle that was. Uh, it's been running pretty smoothly now, especially we've been doing automatic updates and things have been going well. Mm-hmm. We're we've run into some pretty big issues that haven't been able to be resolved yet, so the page isn't very functional as far as sending money in, but. It's actually still pretty easy. So if you have PayPal, which a lot of people do, you can just go ahead and send, just go in your PayPal and send it to the Daily Ratings Production Co. It's whatever amount. You can write a note in there, or you can send it to tom.vin at thedailyratings.com. That's our email. So Mm -hmm. just like Matt D. wrote a note and we read it, that's the whole point of this segment here. It's the producer segment. Absolutely. We're going to give you a shout out. We're going to say how much you donated, but we're going to read a note. That you wrote, mm-hmm. whether it's questions, comments, critiques of the show, we want to know. You're a producer. We want to know what you have issues with, what you suggestions you might have. It's very, very important to us. Mm-hmm. It's an automatic connection. It's a dialogue we can have. Um, In the process of you also showing us what value you're getting. So, again, it's the Daily Ratings Production Co. If you have PayPal and want to send us via PayPal. But a lot of people have Venmo, too. We're at at Venmo. You can just send at the Daily Ratings is our Venmo. Absolutely. So you can send us whatever you want. Now, if you want to do a fun little one-time, you know, Matt did a movie ticket. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go on, on the site, the donation page on the website, Uh, you can see what all those amounts are, and that's fun. Until we get that back up and running, uh, we might just honestly ditch the page and have to do something completely different and make a new donation page. We'll see. We love having it at our our hub, the home base, the website. Mm -hmm. the com. we're really going to treat it as our hub and build out as we build. Uh, We have some great ideas for that in the future. So anyway, it's the Daily Ratings Production Co. If you want to send it to PayPal, it's at the Daily Ratings if you want to do it Venmo. It's, you know all in all, that's actually not too difficult. No, yeah, yeah, it's but just, uh,
1: especially for anyone that have d- has donated before, we want to keep things consistent. Yes. And, uh, and believe me, the troubles with the website is the last thing uh, either of us want. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's annoying. You'll be no- sleeping through more films.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you good. know, yeah, the whole point, we want to do a better and better product weekend. Yeah. It's very frustrating for us when something like this on the tech side, it's nothing yeah. that Vin and I did. Exactly. It's just this damn program that we got set up with. <laughs> damn. That's just machine. Uh, really frustrating. but. Listen, and the funny thing is, is, Matt D Matt D. was a producer this week because he let us know about it. So that was a huge deal. And he still came through on the PayPal and uh, Gave a great note. Again, you can leave a note on the PayPal thing. I know there's a character limit. Mm. Uh, don't be afraid. Tom.vin at the Daily Ratings. Absolutely. If you, if you hit us up via Venmo, if you hit us up PayPal, also... I know there are a few listeners out there who are uh, very podcasting 2.0 um, aware and know what's going on with that. We accept Satoshis. You can go online, send us Satoshis. Absolutely. We have a GetAlbi account. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of that, but I know there's a few <laughs> of you awesome, awesome people out there who know what's up with Satoshis. Yeah. So we accept. And uh, sometimes with sending a boost how many, how much you want to type in that little box? Again, mm. tom.vin at the daily ratings.com. And I'll just give one more shout out to Matt D. Matt D has continually been a producer through all of these shows. I mean, he's been here since the very beginning. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Uh, one thing I also I often say every week is, like, we. I can see that we're growing every week. We can mm-hmm. see the numbers on the mm-hmm. back end, and uh, more and more people are listening. A cool thing to see is we're in a lot of states, you know? We yeah. are We are getting out of our little keystone state here. <laughs> uh, a lot of people around – well, we have some world international, yeah. but – uh, a lot in this country, all around in the 50 states that, that are listening to the podcast. So we know you're out there. Uh, it's great that you're listening. We hope you're telling people about it. Clearly, you might be a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But the big thing is, don't forget, it takes a lot of time to do. It's not just watching five movies, which is a huge dedication Vin has to do each week. He's also sitting down for hours and hours just to write the notes. I'm doing stuff on the back end here with the with the podcast and getting it set up. And sleep where he can. (laughs) Getting the getting (laughs) the episodes out. We have the newsletter that's gonna be that comes out every Tuesday morning as well. So uh, you can sign up for that at the bottom of the website if you're interested in getting that newsletter every week. But you know, it's, it's a lot of work for me and Vin, and we want to keep this a for value-for-value model, completely producer-supported. So just don't forget about that. If you're enjoying this podcast, you know, you've been around for a few episodes, if you're liking it, uh, it doesn't have to be a lot of money at all. If $3 is a lot of money... We can't tell you how much that means uh, sure. t- to us. It Absolutely. shows that you're really liking it. You're engaged. And again, you can write in a note along with it, just like Matt D. So, all right. That's enough with that. That's kind of how you can reach us for now as far as if you want to donate PayPal, Venmo, Satoshis. Yep. Um, we thank you also, Matt. Matt D., once again, executive producer of 109. And uh, we'll just keep this going. So I'll get back
1: to you on the, the greatest <laughs> achievement in cinematic <laughs> history.
0: Uh, okay, Vin. So this is our last film. This is our newly in theaters. This is the brand new The Hunger Games: The Ballad yeah. of Songbirds and Snakes. Way too long of the title. Way Don't too like long. these titles. Yeah, it's got. A, I'm, I have an issue with it. <laughs> the weird thing is, this does not have the buzz around it that maybe you think. that, yeah. that, that it would. I think there's straight up people that have no idea that another one was coming out.
1: Even to well, so, what I do with some of these series dives that I, I do, I, I talk to people that are mega fans of the series. Okay, just to get without looking into too much online because I want to. I want to be fresh when I come to this. Right. Um, just to kind of get a, a gauge of like, hey, what's what's the fan favorite? what do you what really hooked you on the series and to the handful of people I talked to about it, they had no idea this really? was being released, nor that the book was released in like twenty twenty or something like that,
0: so that's weird, yeah a uh, failure in marketing I, I guess. was gonna say definitely a yeah. big marketing problem there. yeah yeah, because I mean well, no one was really asking for it <laughs> for sure, but what they try to do with this I think is interesting, so definitely spend some time set this film up for us, yeah. and then tell us how'd you like it
1: well, it, it is a prequel
0: uh trying to
1: be a kind of a, not a villain origin story, but definitely be the origin story of President Snow, which uh, as one of the highlights of the franchise as a, a good bad guy all the way through, even to kind of a subpar end of the part one part two of Mockingjay, yeah. was something that I was, again, a little excited for, probably. <laughs> you know, if fans aren't excited, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm landing on that. But, you know, the the return of this series... It might seem a little uncalled for, uh, both by fans and general audiences alike. Uh, But uh, once again, it's a a real novel. It's not just a cash grab. Uh, Suzanne Collins is on the writing credit. I found myself uh, (laughs) maybe misguidedly a (laughs) bit excited for it. The sole reason this week wasn't pulling teeth is because I enjoy world building in sci-fi, as I've said now a few times on this episode. Yes, you have. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just love unpacking, you know, different different uh, you know dystopian worlds, just how how it all works together. Uh, if anything, the two part finale didn't hit for me because we almost learned nothing new about the dysto- how the dystopia functions, and I I think it. Uh, didn't work for general audiences as well, losing that competition story structure. So a prequel not only set 65, 64 years in the past, not only returning to a Hunger Games story structure that we're going to actually have the games go on. Right. Uh, I feel like uh, it, was, it was an opportunity to have some fun in the setting without... Katniss in the rebellion, kind of taking a piss
0: over everything. You know what I mean? Back to its roots a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, see, I like the origin story a little. Well, it's, I guess it's not. What are we in? Like at Hunger Games number ten? Yes. Or something. It's ten. Okay. Mm-hmm. With the with the J Law ones, we're at seventy five. Uh, right. 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 Okay. So you know, I kind of like the idea, the origins a little bit. Ten years yeah. into this early idea of, exactly. of complete psychopathy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know that this this I like. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, and I was kind of excited. I, wow! You know, I don't know. I just just I, I was doing more. I was doing more lore research, not sure, having yeah, a chance yeah, yeah. to watch things <laughs> exactly. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly wasn't asking for the films. Right, but now that right. they're here, okay.
1: Where where do we land as critics, Tom? When we when we are more excited than the fans <laughs> Maybe for the franchise? When that you know I don't know it's where. A yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's when you know the concept is uh, is going to go nowhere. But <laughs> in the longest sequel name imaginable. Uh, uh, teen teenage president Snow, played by Tom Blythe, I think his name is, yep. um, is a young aristocrat that is forced to participate in the first round of mentoring for the tenth annual Hunger Games. This is actually uh, not really something I mentioned, but e- e, you know, in the main Hunger Game films, there is a mentor assigned to the district tributes. Uh, mainly, Woody Harrelson is our is who is assigned as one of the many aristocrats, you know, trying to let Katniss win. And, and help her out as much as possible. Uh, this inner look at Pan Am's, uh, elites show us pivotal figures including the first wave of maniacal intellectuals and game makers that dreamt up the horrors of the hunger games only 10 years into the games however the nation of panem has already lost their taste for blood they're they're bored with this and that is what spawns this idea of spectacle to grab viewership and to assign these mentors to make something out of these contestants that don't you know, particularly wanted to, want to try, even if there was. Right, right. Snow is assigned to Lucy Gray, played by Rachel Zegler, uh, who has been on the rise and in a lot of news lately uh, for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, very true. <laughs> a uh, she plays a kind of an eccentric gypsy from District Twelve, and out of out of an unexpected spin with this being the first televised, the first really sensational as Hunger Games. She has a voice and is an artist that separates her from the pack on, you know, very much what is going to become The Hunger Games being about spin, sponsorship, and money-making, ultimately. Uh, Right off the bat, an origin story for the Big Bad Emperor initially sounds interesting. Um, I feel like this movie has identical appeal, appeal to the prequel Star Wars movies. Prequel Star Wars movies, hey, we're paying attention to find out how Anakin becomes Darth Vader. In kind of this way, I mean, thankfully, it's only one movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'll I'll step in real quick because I like the idea of – that. that's when I was doing the lore research and everything. Mm -hmm. When you hear prequel or just like how far back are we going – it's like, okay, we're not seeing, obviously, we're not seeing J-Law 15 years earlier. No. We're not even seeing Whittle, Woody Harrelson. This is, like, our oldest character that we've known. We're seeing him <laughs> as a young character. Yeah. So we're seeing, that's the thing, that Snow character, Cornelius Snow. Yes. Or yep. Whatever. Yeah, he is the big baddie ruler absolutely in the current ones that we just talked about now yeah. we see him as this uh this role of uh just an up-and-coming uh version of
1: himself he's a uh, he's kind but, of uh misplaced among the aristocracy what's the role
0: called again he's
1: oh he's just president Oh, no, he's a mentor.
0: Mentor. He's a mentor. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But I like the fact that it's just like, oh, okay, we're taking the oldest character we know and seeing his beginnings, Yeah, you know, going back 65 years. That, to me, it's a decent amount of jump. Yeah. There's been a lot of prequels kind of just lately or in TV that's over like the past 15 years Mm -hmm. that it's not a big enough jump in my mind. Mm. You know what I mean? That's a great point. So they set up a little bit for you. You know the little bit of the lore Mm -hmm. watching these films and now stepping back that far I kind of like. Yeah, absolutely. Because none of the characters will be recognizable except for our one old guy that we know.
1: Yeah, and if we're gonna do it, making it about uh, the origin story of the the main bad guy. Yeah, uh, you know, the emperor of of all the of all the bad. Um, You know, I I think that's where it's a satisfying itch to scratch. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, getting to see how he slipped down the road of evil is, once again, a nugget for excitement for me prior to watching this film. Watching the film... I was less excited. Okay. <laughs> uh, they really clock up the cartoonish aspects here of the evil empire. Um, but um, I got to say, Blythe, as far as his acting, unfortunately, does not pull it off. This was oh, no, I, nowhere near the depths of uh, all the, the bad teen performances in the franchise. But really falling short of um, making me miss Jennifer Lawrence or making me miss um, just solid performances from our main character at uh, being the backbone for for actually holding up okay. these movies. I thought he
0: had a good look to him. Does he
1: do yeah, yeah, know him sure. from other things? Uh he did one uh western show recently, but nothing nothing that I recognized other than that. Okay. I think he did like a Billy the Kid
0: episode uh, show. Okay, okay. So his character in this film, and mm-hmm. maybe I'm totally off here, you know, <laughs> I just have to go off trailers, stills and yeah, things yeah. like that. Does he look like Robert Downey Jr's character? At, not Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Tropic Thunder, then not-blackface, but what the oh, actual Australian, yeah. like blue-eyed, blonde-haired Australian.
1: Definitely a little bit. The uh, luck, I, yeah. I see exactly what you're going for. <laughs> this is really not much to go off of that one, the fake trailer, <laughs> right. but it's where he takes down the hood. But yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, right. Okay, that's all I got. Maybe,
1: maybe. that's all I got oh man
0: anyway so that's him because he's a little bit unknown as far as the actor's concerned yes Rachel Zegler we're starting to know her more and more right
1: right, right. And, and really it should be inverse um, at least for the casting because it's his story uh, this does right, it, this is still a romance you know what I mean so it, it is going to fit into um, uh, what what the other films kind of genre wise actually how they play out yeah uh, Zegler kind of outshines him almost in every single scene intentionally really? by the plot, yeah, but also just in this casting performance as well. So, of course the the story it, it, like I said is still romance focused, but the movie flip-flops on his depiction. Uh, Snow's depiction that is, um used as a valid romantic interest and a supervillain that he needs to become. It really does flop back and forth in an odd way that doesn't seem like it ever gets traction and is nowhere close to the strong, and I mean strong character writing put into Katniss as a main character prior to this. Uh, that counts for Ziggler and uh, Bly. Mm-hmm. I-, I will note that the last act of this has an interesting reset um, and actually tries to test Snow's character in a role reversal uh, of the similar type of plot beats that we're, that the series is known for, but um, that's, that's about as much praise as I have to give for the For the main pieces here. Um, The Hunger Games themselves are once again boring action set pieces. uh, Despite the retro future throwback with more token deaths than ever. Uh, Really, it's just like... uh, Really. It is just so inconsequential that it needs two tributes per (laughs) (laughs) per district. (laughs) Because we never get to meet more than eight. You know what I mean? That's a
0: shame. That really is a shame. Yeah. Make the deaths cooler and meaningful. Right. like let us know the characters a little bit
1: more. Absolutely. And that's where I go back to a little bit of my critique of the rules of the game. Because it's like, that's not just for background noise or that's not just for context that is an opportunity as a writer that you can use rules to crank up tension and actually have it hit the audience and yeah. be real for them Yeah, uh, hit for me at least So <laughs> I have to watch these movies uh, I, I suppose setting this in the past writes itself into a little bit of a box because this is the first time the show has been televised on air and can only be so groundbreaking but um the Battle Royale haters really can rejoice on this one because nothing creative is done with the action itself and uh and sad to see for the return of this franchise you know with with plenty of years what we're talking 8 years now
0: that it ended right yeah 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 we're picking up 8 years later yeah 8 years
1: you know production wise yeah. for the for the film to to come back a positive area <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and we're going to have to unpack this, because this is a doozy. I did not expect this to go uh, go as hard as it did. But stylistically, the film has this, again, this retro future yeah. vibe, uh, uh, you know, to everything. And while it can easily slip into kind of um, Easter eggs for the franchise littering every shot, uh, it does something much different. If anything, uh, to your point about if you don't set it back far enough, I feel like that's where the film becomes only about Easter eggs. It's just like, oh, that's Katniss as a baby. Mm, yeah. Oh, this is this person, yeah. young. You, you could know fall I mean? into that for sure. Yeah. This, even, even with watching the the series, there's certainly some, mm-hmm. but it does not concern itself with that. And, and is so far back. I mean, 64 years, it's, it's, it removes that entirely. Yeah. Turns out, though, my thoughts on comparing this to Lucas's Star Wars prequels were more dead on than I could imagine. Uh Um, uh, This time jump is an excuse to show how, I mean, truly evil... Uh, like, deliciously evil <laughs> um, Pan Am really is, and the insane personalities that lay the groundwork for the games. Supporting actors are a pedigree that is pretty great across all of these, and I'm, I'm glad that it uh, continues from the original trilogy. But Viola Davis has a downright... Unhinged performance, really? In this, yeah, it's wild. I mean,
0: in a great, in a great way. Uh, it,
1: in a so bad it's good way, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, look up a picture of her. I see the,
1: it. <laughs> you see. So you,
0: she's trying to be the Tucci. Is that a no, good comparison? No. Oh, it, she's, uh, <laughs> Oh, she's she,
1: her character, perspectively, we never met a game maker before. We've met, like, right-hand men and, and different things oh, like that. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Uh, we've never met, um, like, a foundational character like her. Let me tell you, both her and Peter Dinklage characters uh, have taken such a cartoonish extreme here. It really, I can't say it feels like the series at all anymore.
0: I um, thought the whole point is over the top and crazy. Uh, it's that one not it, like it, this it, it's, okay okay
1: <laughs> like and this. Viola
0: Davis she, she's usually like stoic oh sure and like badass and cool uh, she's the one good thing about that horrible horrible uh superhero movie suicide Squad. yeah 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 Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I, I agree uh here I can't say like she's the woman king sings, you know right, right yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um uh, I mean here it is unreal my jaw i was i was katniss in the last two part of the finale (laughs) my jaw was on the floor i was like what are they putting on screen (laughs) it is unreal you know in concept i like the idea of snow being nurtured by these like insane people and that's what produces an evil leader sure uh but I'm not kidding, folks. I do not make this comparison lightly. This shit is taken to an unusual extreme, and I would put Viola's performance side by side with Emperor Palpatine in The Revenge of the Sith. Oh, really? It is that hammy. It is that deliciously garbage. Um, it is that so bad it's good. <laughs> it is un. <laughs> real
0: um that sounds amazing yeah
1: i i I was really split on it too because enjoyment wise i was like oh yeah right (laughs) right this this is great like but i I don't know i i I more am split on it you know what uh the longer i sit with the film i'm like i don't know if that can be if
0: they're this and you're not just talking it up it is if you're having this reaction it is this reminds i love what you said with it where it's like maybe you need these crazy over the top crazy yeah And that's how we get snow. Sure. And even at an older age, it's almost like a tame version of this. Exactly. You know what? This reminds me of like – like you think Gordon Ramsay is mean in the kitchen. (laughs) The guy he actually learned from was a straight psychopath. Oh,
1: right, right.
0: Maybe it's a little bit of that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, You know, what what he's being nurtured by, what he comes up in. Right. Uh, But let me tell you –
0: Okay, this is the sell- selling tickets right now. I think man. <laughs> yeah,
1: so it's so all we're gonna be out of the box office by the time we we post this. I mean, just just uh, pull up a screen grab. I she's Doctor Gruel or something like that as the character. She's got two yeah. different colored eyes. She's got a crazy gray salt and pepper fro. She wears uh, blo- what looks like blood soaked clothing. I mean, I I, I don't want to question suzanne collins too much because i haven't wrote a you know a hyper successful trilogy of, of novels and and this coming back to it yeah. but i i don't know i i'd be really interested to hear her thoughts on why she went with such a conceptually bold uh design on everything on everything you know that that this now pull pull the yeah. pull the camera back a little bit on the retro-future style, on the foundation of these Hunger Game leaders and these radicals within the government, I like, think
0: ultra elitist to an a certain to to an extreme mm. just means ultra gaudy and over yeah. the top essentially. Yeah. Because everything is right, super colorful. Oh, for sure, super bombastic, sure. just over the top, just more and more like each generation. Yeah, the crazy, the crazy elites yeah. get even more crazy.
1: Right, they get more and more disconnected with reality. Yes, uh, yes, exactly right. I guess here with it, ten years, ten years after like the big war that sparked the whole thing. Uh, maybe they have a mix of wartime and that you know disconnecting with right. the elitists, but uh, delicious garbage is, okay. uh, is is the mark. <laughs> uh, definitely so bad it's good vibes. So uh, you know take that if you want it. Okay, um, I, I would say this one is for the fans, but once again, not in your typical Easter egg way, which I want to give a little bit of credit for. Uh, this one was for the fans that can't get that can't get enough of the world that were probably ecstatic for Collins releasing this prequel book back in 2020. Uh, What I realized was my interest for that world had run a little bit dry, even with all of this campiness, all this cartoonishness, which I found totally acceptable and fun, if anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, the film does not create any sort of sequel bait. So I think this serves as one... Last crazy ride in this dystopian romance. We're going to go ahead and give... We're to get ready for the title. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a 51.
0: Wow. Just a 51, just a tick. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it's just a tick. It, I feel like it's... There's something
0: there that that's yeah, better than a coin toss. Exactly. It's slightly in the favor of yeah. give it a watch or something.
1: Exactly. and I feel like it also is uh, on the... The end of four movies as well. Mm-hmm, uh, I yeah. don't see there's any kind of watch case for you picking this one up if 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 it's only for so, Viola if it's <laughs> if it's for anything. Uh and in that it's Yeah, because like, we didn't yeah. touch
0: too much. I mean, so basically uh, was it, it was two hours and forty minutes? You mm. know, was there a lot of backstory? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, and that's the thing, is it is it a lot of I don't know, it there's probably not too much catch-up. Uh no right? it more uh, so
1: like I said in the last act things really get reshuffled quite a bit okay okay uh, and of course not going to the spoilers of it but like um, if anything the movie resets in a way that you kind of forget about all the Hunger Games and sure. all the society stuff, and it's much smaller for that reason in so, the romance. Okay, because so.
0: I believe she came out with multiple books. Like this is supposed to be a trilogy, I believe.
1: No, I think this is a uh, this is a one off. Even in the books, oh really? Space. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, from one right. what, what
0: I research, uh, obviously, so, yeah, I should have looked that up. Money but...
1: is the is the biggest incentive.
0: Uh, oh, of course. Uh, so... <laughs> I mean, the biggest question is again: no one was asking for this film. Mm. People didn't even know about yep. it. Did you find it worth it in any way? We you you found it one percent uh, worth it.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, at fifty one percent. But also. Worth it enough to keep it out of even for the finales uh, uh, of the original. Yeah, not not good movies. This was uh, serviceable uh, and uh, you know yeah, kind of a kind of a cherry on top if you really wow. really okay. love the world building like I did. So. Okay,
0: so I have a few ender questions here. Mm, so sure. the, the big thing for me is, yeah, five films now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you if I just want to throw something on as an easy watch. Mm. Is this Hunger Games homework, or can I pick up wherever? Can I drop a needle on one of these movies? Not in one of the movies, but like mm. just pick a random movie and feel confident that I know enough what's going on.
1: Interesting. Uh, this one specifically?
0: Uh, any of them.
1: Oh, uh, I would definitely say that with uh, – if anything, my recommendation walking away from this week is just watch Catching Fire.
0: I feel like really? it gets
1: you all the beats of it. Um, you would
0: know what's going on still. Yeah. Like also, it-
1: probably strongest romance wise as
0: well. Okay. Uh, for what it's worth. So, would you even say that the first one is absolutely necessary?
1: No, not really. Uh, okay. I mean, um, not more than. Uh, maybe seeing the very early moments of how Katniss's character Mm. comes to be okay Uh, but uh, again character work around Katniss and Jennifer Lawrence's performance solid across the board okay very um, good yeah I think uh, if you want to give it a dive Catching Fire so much so that I, I I would not mind watching Catching Fire. Wow. I know that's insane to say.
0: That, <laughs> that's kind of cool, though. I yeah, like that yeah, you came yeah. away with that. Yeah. Uh, what is our best world building movie? What is our best battle royale movie? Oh. Uh, so if you want to watch the best battles.
1: Best battle royale is probably Battle Royale from 2000. Wow. Well, the the okay, Japanese right. movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I would say it's Catching Fire once again because you don't get annoying teens. Like the combatants are actually like, they, they're interesting. Like, oh, what's, what's this one going right. to bring to the table? Best uh,
0: world building then.
1: Maybe the first one, because the first one is the concept.
0: Okay, it's setting us up.
1: Yeah, that 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 is the introduction to how drastic this, you know, we go from poverty to seeing this, like, crazy society. That, that is that is full credit to the first what one.
0: What would you do? If you only had to watch two where you had, like, a week, like, a Saturday free, mm. what did you think about watching the latest one and then going to Catching Fire?
1: Yeah, maybe. Oh, or just vice versa, because we do get some good stuff. So that's how moments.
0: unimportant it is having to watch that. Yeah. Okay, all
1: right. I, I, I and again, this is this is coming from the person that's saying skip part of the right. finale entirely. <laughs> so
0: and then another question I have: Do you think that this? I mean, this is a big question. Is this <laughs> better as a TV show? Oh, because uh, that's in my entire I feel like it could be very ripe for a TV show. I think as so. A premise, Each yeah. book could be a season.
1: Sure, sure. You know, or even stretching out. I mean, that that could be a good you way to get... to give substance to the actual games themselves. Oh. Stretch out the. The minor beats of who's dying and what they would come, you know? they
0: would be, they would become like survival yeah, episodes. Absolutely, you know, and they would actually get more in depth of how they're surviving. You get closer to some characters then, sure. so the deaths would have more impact. Yeah, it's not like just okay, it's just six die it's, immediately,
1: right, right? And it really is that? Like I they, think they die in bunches, right? You know?
0: I think I think a, a TV show could just do better at one world building and Mm kind of give that action that people are there to see a little bit yeah and if
1: anything my main critique about how we don't give a damn about 24 contestants maybe that's the key to stretch out the time and and, and give us more time to find out about the contestants then okay right, so we both agree uh, on
0: that I think it really would make a better show yeah because now okay this let's say that original series now you have second series which Mm. can jump back in time sure Uh, Peter Dinklage dressing up again (laughs) For three seasons or whatever, keep them for around. Three seasons, it's fantastic.
1: Or maybe to you know, you understand that every twenty-five years it's a big version of the games. Ah. Maybe we tackle the fifties or something.
0: Maybe you know, what I mean, we give us some money from this Collins <laughs> lady. <laughs> Um, and then, and then I just while you were going through all this, it yeah. just struck. Boom! A light bulb <laughs> went hilarious. on in my head. Okay, we need a new compilation on the site. Oh, okay. And it would be labeled climate-controlled domes. <laughs> climate okay, controlled.
1: okay. Climate-controlled
0: so, domes. We have right. all of the Hunger Games. Yep. Okay, we have King Kong vs. Godzilla. <laughs> yes. Because and, yeah. his dome looks just like the Hunger Games dome. For sure. Right? He's For not sure. in it much, but it's in. Right. Truman Show.
1: Yes, absolutely. Do- dome aesthetic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean he's, he's in a dome. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And weather control, we can do weather control. Yeah, climate control dome. Sure. That's what we have down. Um, uh, and I think if we have one more, we're golden.
1: Uh, the uh, I'm spitballing here, the poly nineties stoner comedy biodome.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. And we're good to go. Okay. We're there. It's there. <laughs> There's maybe a compilation coming to you soon on the site. Again. <laughs> another just wonderful thing to check out on the Daily Ratings. Uh, yes,
1: yes. Enriching your film watching. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, Vin, any notes left for here? I think that was a great deconstruction of this yeah. series. Uh, any notes here? Anything coming up? We have a lot of new releases
1: Yeah, up. a lot of new releases. We are going into a heavy December uh, just because everything was pushed. And then, you know, just in general... There's a lot of film releases that may not be like super wide but nonetheless will show their face during Oscar time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, tell you what, next week I'm I'm just excited to call Heads or Tails on Napoleon. I uh, just want to see if Ridley oh, yeah, definitely. Ridley Scott, you know, where where's he at? Where's <laughs> he
0: at this time? Lately it hasn't been good. Yeah. He came out with a comment saying like, "Oh, I in the amount of time that Scorsese was working on Killers of the Flower Moon, I came out with five films. Right. It's, right. Like, it's like, maybe that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's have not Have you seen good. your films that <laughs> you released lately? Yeah, for real. Uh, <laughs> always have high hopes. Yeah. Especially for Joaquin and Ridley together, sure. You want it to be good. But, uh, another uh,
1: time with Vanessa Kirby, gorgeous, sure. Oh, we loved Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, Ben. Thank you so much for walking these, uh, for watching the yeah,
1: catching fire. we uh, being hungry. We
0: appreciate you. Appreciate you stopping by here with us tonight. So, folks at home, we'll run it. Run this down one more time. We have The Hunger Games with a 63%. The Hunger Games Catching Fire with a 66. We have The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 with a 40. The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 with a 49. And The Hunger Games The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes with a 51%. Folks, we thank you so much for listening. We thank you, Matt D., for executing and producing this episode. And folks, we will see you next week, as always, on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by TheDailyRatings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the donations tab on TheDailyRatings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you've from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks. But we want to be independent from all those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time on the Daily Readings Podcast.